Charismatic, passionate, has integrity, humble, servant, faithful, inspiring, persevering, positive, flexible, driven. This is who we are that call ourselves leaders. Helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now, here is your host, Ken Coleman. Coming to you from the Music City, this is the podcast of leaders, by leaders, and for leaders. So thrilled to have you with us. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to get to it quickly today. We've got another wonderful tip from Clayton Mask from Infusionsoft that'll really help you. And our feature conversation is with a longtime friend, John Maxwell, the guru of leadership gurus. You're really going to enjoy this, so make sure you get out a pen and paper. Lots of notes to take today. We're also going to give away 50 of John's latest book, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. This is something very dear to my heart as a question asker, and uh, it's going to be a fun, fun time. I want to tell you this. I thought I'd share a story and give you context on why I enjoyed this interview so much. I had the extreme privilege. My wife and I, Stacy, got to work for John with him. I got to travel with John for several years. And I just want to say this, because I think we put people like John on a pedestal many times. And we wonder, well, are they really who they say they are? Do they walk the talk? And he does. He really does. His preparation and personal growth which we'll talk about a little bit later, is so phenomenal. And I got to tell you, I got to fly with him many times privately. And I got to tell you, uh, every time he'd be working on a new book, it may be in different stages, early stages, middle stages, late stages, but we'd be on the plane, he'd talk for five or 10 minutes, and then inevitably he'd put his reading glasses on, kick his feet up on the chair and pull out, you know, that old school pen that is like blue and white. So the bottom half is that baby blue, the top half is white, and it's got the red cartridge, the green cartridge, the blue cartridge, and the black cartridge. I mean, the pen probably costs a buck fifty, And it's like four colors in one. I mean, it is the goofiest pen ever. And this is what the man would use to write his book, to write notes. And he would prepare, prepare, prepare. He was always reading. He always had different articles, different quotes. He was always filing. I've heard John say this a hundred million times. Every day I read, every day I file. And we can take great wisdom from that discipline to do that, to constantly be growing. He is the real deal. You are really going to enjoy it. But first, we have great value from Clayton Mask and Infusionsoft, one of the most admired entrepreneurial companies that I know. We love them here at Entree Leadership. So here's Clayton Mask with another business tip. All right, folks, before we get into our feature conversation, let's check in. We've got Clayton Mask on the line with us. Clayton's the CEO of Infusionsoft. Clayton, how you doing out there? Doing great. Great to be with you, Ken. Well, I tell you what, buddy boy, I love Arizona, so I got to get out there to see you guys at the mothership. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about this very important topic. I love this when it came across my desk. Today's question What's one of those common traps that hold business owners back? You know, one of the things that we see over and over again with our customers, and frankly, something we did as well in the early days of Infusionsoft. We didn't take the time to really get clear on why we exist. We didn't really dig in and say, okay, what's our purpose? Why are we doing this? And when I see business owners that are going about running a business to make money, um, that's natural and you know obvious that people might think that way, but it actually misses the point. 
and it causes business owners to not, not achieve what they want and not be inspired in their own business. So what I try to help business owners understand is get to know why you exist as a business. And that starts with who you are. When you understand yourself very well, you know your values. When you're clear on your core values, you're clear on the, the mission that you're up to in this life, you know why you're doing what you're doing. That purpose that, that gets becomes very clear is so powerful to propel a business forward. It helps in the good times. It helps in the bad times. And the big trap that I see commonly among entrepreneurs is they're out to make money, not to achieve their purpose. I love that. Well, I know this, Clay. Infusionsoft can help people move from the bad times to the good times. How do you do that? Thanks so much. Well, we help small businesses succeed. It's what we do. It's why we exist. That's our big purpose. And we provide sales and marketing software that helps our customers get organized, grow sales, and save time so they can have the business and the life they want. For more information on how to connect with Infusionsoft and take your business to the next level, go to Infusionsoft.com slash Entree. That's Infusionsoft.com slash Entree. Clay, always love talking to you. We'll be on the phone soon. Until then, take care of yourself. All right. Thanks, Ken. Well, folks, our feature interview, as I said, is John Maxwell. This is so good, so let's get right to it. And do not forget... We're giving away 50 of John's book, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. Here is John Maxwell. John, I love questions. Uh, curiosity is a hobby of mine, and it's something we're all ingrained with. You know, we come into this world hardwired, just asking thousands of questions a day as little ones. And then over time, if we're not intentional about asking questions, Life has a way of beating the curiosity out of us. And I want to ask you, how do you keep curiosity alive? How do we keep that inner child alive in us so that we can continue to learn and grow? Well, I agree with you. I think, I think that culture just basically beats it out of us. And uh, what I, the reason I keep it alive is because I know its value. I, I, what I try to do, and I, I wrote a book, as you know, Good, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. And what I try to do in the first chapter of the book is just establish the value of questions. And in my life, the return on questions has been huge, and, and it's, it's, that's true for everybody. And so once I know the value and the high return that questions give me, then, uh, Ken, it's kind of like, okay, then I need to keep asking them. And I think we uh, ask questions naturally as a child, and then through the schooling process, we kind of get that knocked out of us a little bit. And then uh, we just kind of lose the sense of wonder and the, sense, the value that it brings. But the moment that we understand, again, the return, the ROI for a businessman, uh, the moment that he or she gets that, understands that return, then we're back into questions because almost everything I have that's wonderful is because I ask questions. You know, John, you're a lifelong learner. You extol the value of personal growth in everything you do from writing books to speaking to uh, live events and beyond. And... I have discovered this in getting the opportunity to interview some wonderful people who have accomplished much. And I think we uh, forget sometimes that the true greats are still constantly learning. Talk about some of your observations, you know, from the great coaches, the great leaders that you uh, have spent time with. They are continually learning. How do they do that? Well, they continually learn because they understand they don't know everything. And they understand that what they don't know, if they learn it, is going to add value to their life. And so um, they have what I call a, a, a teachability mindset, a teachable person is just a person who wants to be taught. 
and they know the greatest way to be taught is to ask questions. Because what happens when I ask questions, I can form the questions in such a way that it begins to immediately meet my needs. If I have some needs in the area of leadership, then I can ask leadership questions. I can, uh, from leaders, and get that answered. If I have some needs in the area of relationships, I can go to people that are really good with people skills, and I can ask questions and get those answers. And so I think that the people that keep a learning teachability posture, they just understand that they don't know it all, but what they don't know. If they can find it out, it's going to improve their life and make it even better, and they just love to learn and they love to grow. There are those who love to learn, but they don't really care to grow. There are those who want to grow, but they don't want to learn. So you got to keep them together. you got to have a, a desire to learn, but you learn for the sake of personal development growth. You don't learn for the sake of learning alone. So that makes the questions that a person asks to be quite strategic. They now ask the right questions to the right people, and guess what? They get the right answer. You model this so well. I want you to share a story that uh, I've heard you tell many times, and those who've come to see you speak have probably heard it before, but you had an opportunity several years ago to get to spend a day with John Wooden, the legendary UCLA basketball coach, and I love that you prepared for many, many hours with a legal pad full of questions, and you showed up with that legal pad and literally just fired them at him. I think it would be a great lesson for those of us who are listening in to get an idea. What are some of the questions that you asked John Wooden, and why? Well, how many times do you get to sit down with a great, <laughs> and, you know, and he's the greatest coach, a Sports Illustrated set of the last century, and so... He was kind enough to invite me to breakfast and spend the morning with him. And so I went to breakfast with him, and we had a wonderful, I don't know, 30 minutes of just general conversation, getting acquainted. And he's such a delightful person. But I realized that uh, for me to maximize that time, I, I needed to get to my questions. And so probably 30 minutes into it, I asked him, I said, Coach, would you mind if I ask you some questions? And he said, not at all. So I <laughs> opened up my little briefcase and pulled out my legal pad. I think I had five pages of questions. <laughs> I, mean, I think he thought I had two or three that we'd finish breakfast off. And, well, I, at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm still asking questions. Love that. And I'll never forget when I said, look, I've taken more than time than I should have. I gotta, I've got to let this go. And he looked at me and he said, well, you, he said, you just ask questions the whole time. I said, well, I, said, I have a lot to learn. And he looked at me and Ken, and he, here's the value of questions. He looked at me and said, you can come back and see me again. And it, and it was the questions that got me back into the door. And I know I went back to see him again over the next 10 years, went back to see him several times. The second time I went to see him, he's so sharp. We're sitting down, chit-chatting a little bit. He knows I don't really want to do that. So after about 15 minutes, he says, John, I bet you have questions to ask me. Don't you? I said, I sure do, Coach. He said, let's go. <laughs> and, and so it became a standard joke that when I came I was going to have an agenda, and I was going to have a lot of questions to ask him. But I can tell you, he taught me more than any other person. But he taught me more than any other person because, one, he had the capacity to teach because of his success and experience. But he taught me more than any other person because I had the capacity to ask questions. I sit down many times, and I'll have a, a lunch or dinner people, and we'll have a nice conversation. No one asks me a question, and I just think to myself, do they not realize if they ask me some questions, I could probably help them? That's right. And so... It isn't coming into the presence of greatness to be able to do great things. It's coming into the presence of greatness and being strategic and intentional, asking the right questions to get the right answers to find out what you really need to, to, to be successful. 
Well, that's the huge takeaway, folks, is John said he had the capacity, but he also was intentional. And really, John, in that moment, I mean, it's intimidating when, you, when you're around people of great accomplishment, but you have to have the courage to ask, and you did. And most times, when you have the courage to throw something out there, they appreciate the fact that you actually asked a good question and you showed a spirit to learn. That's big when we spend time with mentors as well, correct? It is. And I can tell you, I learned the lesson the hard way because when I was in my late 20s, my church in Lancaster, Ohio was growing tremendously. In fact, uh, we were cracking that top 10. And I was invited to go to a, in Orlando to a, what they call an idea exchange with about 35 or 40 other pastors. And the whole day and a half was the fact that they sat around and asked questions and, and taught each other. And I was so excited with the invitation. I knew it was was with much older people, much more experienced people. I went for that day and a half, Ken, and I had questions to ask, but I got so enraptured in their questions, and I just kept saying, my question's not that good. And I remember leaving that idea exchange and saying to myself, John, you didn't help yourself at all. You had questions to ask, but you didn't have the courage to ask them. And, and why? Because, you know, what do we do? We say, well, this is a stupid question. My whole thing to that is it probably is ask a stupid question. I determined after that idea exchange that I would never let that happen to me again, that I would never cheat myself again because I lack courage or confidence to ask questions. And even though the questions may not be the best ones, they were the best I had, and they would help me, and that I would ask them. And that just kind of was a turnaround for me and put me on a path to just, uh, from that point on, never be intimidated to ask questions. You never know what you're going to find. Full disclosure to those listening, I had the privilege to work with John for several years and travel with him and watch him speak. And those of you who have seen him speak live or or on a training video or whatever the medium is, know that he's a master communicator. And John, I have noticed as a student of communicators that the great communicators use a question in a public presentation so well. It, It engages the audience so much more effectively in my opinion, at A, do you agree with that? And B, how do you use questions personally when you're speaking to audiences? Well, I totally agree with that. And the, the question is, as a speaker, do I want to have fans or do I want to, want to have friends? That, that's the question. Now, if I want to have fans, I've got to impress them. I've got to let them know how good I am, have them applaud, give me hope for a stand innovation. So if I want to have fans, I don't ask questions. I answer questions for people. I but I don't ask him because that would show a, a sense of vulnerability or humility. And so if I want to have fans, I just want to tell everybody how good I am. But if I want to have friends, if I really want to connect with the audience, if when, if when I'm done, I, I want to have people walk out of the uh, auditorium and say, man, the guy helped me. He, he, he not only helped me, he likes me. If I, want to ha- if I want to have friends then I've got to put myself into a learning posture and say, instead of let me sit down, let me tell you how good I am and let me impress you, I say, let's sit down together and let's learn from each other and let's all be better at the end of this hour than we are right now. It's a, it's a whole spirit. It's an attitude. I determined very early that I wanted to have friends and that I wanted to connect, and I would do that through uh, being vulnerable. I would do that uh, by letting people know I didn't have all the answers. I'd do that by asking somebody else. So, you know, the, the greatest compliment, Ken, I can give you is to ask your opinion. When I say, hey, Ken, tell me what you think about this. There's not a higher compliment. What I'm really saying is I value what you say. I value what you know. I value who you are. That's a great compliment. And so when it's a communicator, 
I'm asking questions, whether it's speaking to 5,000 people or sitting around a table speaking to five people. I'm really saying to these people, I value your opinion. I value your thoughts. I value your experience. Talk to me. Help me. Show me what you know. Share with me what you know. How did you know it? How can it help me? That all adds into developing great relationships with people and also becoming a terrific learning tool. Yeah, I want to stay here for a minute, and it's related. So let's go from the scenario of a public speech, which we just talked about, but you kind of gave us a bridge there in that last statement. Whether you're in front of 5,000 or sitting in a room of five, and at the core of leadership, you have to lead people. Hello. And so in meetings, uh, in casting vision, so many leaders do it wrong, and they don't quite do it. Maybe they come in, John, puffed up, ready to go, and, and proclaim a vision statement. How have you, over the years, learned how to use questions in those fundamental meetings, if you will, with your team, and then in casting vision? Well, it wouldn't... When you ask questions, you, you, you find out what the other person knows, and I always assume that they know something I don't know that can add value to me. And so many times, even as a leader, I'll come in with an idea, and I'll say, now, let me tell you what I have. I have a good idea, but this needs to be a great idea, but I don't have capacity to make it a great idea myself, but you have capacity to help me. So let's all jump in. Let me ask you questions, and, and you give me your thoughts and your opinions, and let's let the best idea win. Well... When you have that kind of uh, humility and you are sincere and people know that you really want to hear from them, they're all of a sudden, they're coming to the table and they're saying, wow, John values my opinion. Now, I, one of the favorite questions I ask my staff all the time is, what do you think? The reason I ask that is because what they tell me tells me how they think. I, I, I learn a lot about a person by asking them questions. And so what I've discovered was early in my leadership life, I can either be a directive and say, here's where we're going, and have a certain amount of people follow me because I'm clear in my vision, but have many people who are very uh, smart not follow me because uh, they're not having any ownership or any input. Or I could say, here's what I think we should be doing. Now, let's all make it better. You know, you clarify me. You, you add value. You make this better than what I gave you. And when you sincerely want to have uh, people add to you, by asking questions, that's what they do. In fact, I always say this. If I go into a room with a good idea and I don't come out of the room with a better idea, it's because I didn't ask questions. And because I didn't ask questions, I didn't improve myself, didn't improve my idea. But when I go into that room and, and with a good idea and I say, okay, I'm going in here to ask questions of the people in this room to make this good idea a great idea. That's when that's when I get the that's when I get the good input from people because they can tell it's an attitude. They can tell if I really want to hear them or whether I'm just patronizing. John, we have an audience of a whole lot of entrepreneurs and leaders listening in, and if there's anything we all share in common, I I know that it is we are wired for progress. Uh, and just putting myself on the spot, I think many people will relate to this. One of the temptations that I constantly face, John, is I obsess about the next. I run the risk of missing what I need in the now, and that ultimately puts me at the potential to sacrifice the next. So the question for you is, what questions do we need to be asking in the now so that we don't sacrifice the next? I ask questions such as, what am I missing? Because I always assume after a conversation and we're all getting ready to, you know, go out and try to execute the game plan, I always assume I'm missing something. I never assume that I got it. 
I want to know what I'm missing because uh, I'm going to, here's what, <laughs> I either ask in the room what am I missing or I go out and try to execute the game plan and find out what I'm missing. <laughs> right. And, and I just found it's better to have it on the front end and, and fix it than to have it on the back end and try to repair it. And so I, I have again discovered the greatest way to empower people and give them ownership is to bring them into that whole environment of asking their opinion, asking questions, letting them give you input. It just changes the entire atmosphere. And then what happens is this. I I also discovered that that when you take a little bit of somebody else's input or their idea, they just want to fulfill it more than if it's all yours. So if you and I are talking and I give you direction and you have to go out and take my 100% vision and direction and fulfill it, you may be a good player and you may do that, but I can tell you this for sure, no matter how good a player you are, if after we've had a discussion, instead of it being 100% my idea, you've got 30% in it yourself. You you gave me some thoughts, so I like that better. Now, I'm telling you, Ken, you'll run the ball a lot more, a lot harder, a lot better if, if you've got a little stake in the ownership, which is what questions do versus just taking down directions and trying to fulfill them. And that's, again, another reason why I ask questions all the time. It just really gives ownership to people. You've written so many great books and touched so many lives. Personally, my favorite work is Failing Forward. It wasn't just a great book, but what an amazing title that means so very much to so many people. And leaders are always failing because inevitably we're trying to move forward, and that's just part of the process. Uh, One of your latest books, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn, a turn on a classic phrase of sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. On this question theme that we're talking about, I think it would help our audience to hear from you. What are a few questions that you know from experience that we need to ask when we're in the midst of failure or we're right after that failure and we're trying to figure out, whoa, what's going on? How do I move forward? What are some good questions to ask? Well, you want clarity. Um, The the reason we failed is not because we were intentional. We failed because we got blindsided. We didn't understand something. We weren't aware. We didn't see so when, when I'm in the midst of a failure experience, I, the first thing I do is I want to bring people around me and ask, what happened? Come on, talk to me. What, what, was, how much of the failure was the, what I did? How much of the failure was uh, the way life is? And I have to have clarity. The reason I have to have clarity is you can't reach tomorrow until you've realistically touched today. I cannot go forward. If I go forward without getting clarity on what just happened, I just go out and repeat the same mistake, and that has no value at all in it. There's great value in making a mistake or failing the first time. When you fail the second time, it's because you haven't learned from that. In fact, I was with a company the other day and doing some teaching for them in Vancouver. I love that they had an expression in there. I was looking at their culture and some of the things they embraced, and one of the things they embraced is they said, we make new mistakes. And I love that. You know, they didn't make old mistakes. If you make old mistakes, you're not learning. You're not seeing clearly. You're not adjusting. You're not correcting. You're not changing. We're going to make new mistakes. And when we make the new mistake, the value of that is the fact it's going to teach us something, you know. But we could only teach something if we ask questions and say, you know, what am I missing? Tell me exactly what happened. Now, the moment I have somebody help me with that and give me clarity there, then I look at I say, okay, how do we move forward here? Now I'm ready to move forward. Too many people leave today unclear only to dive into tomorrow and find out that if you didn't fix today, you're not going to be able to, to, to take tomorrow and, and do well with it. So 
I just like to have kind of an understanding of, of how I failed and what can I do better and how can I change and all those things help me to grow and improve myself. John, one of my favorite things that you teach almost every time you speak is you'll use some analogy to the effect of if I could spend one dinner with you, this is what I would share. And of course, you can take that a million different ways and you do. But I want the young leaders or the inexperienced leaders who are listening into this conversation to hear from you on maybe a few vital questions early on in their journey, whatever that may be. Here are some great questions that you need to be asking on a regular basis at this season of your life. What would you say those are? When I sit down with a person and ask questions, I I ask them things such as, um, what has failure taught you? I have found that this gives me great perspective in the person that I'm talking to because every leader has had great failures, and that's where we make the mistake. We look at the awesomeness of a great leader, and we somehow think that they've avoided the pitfalls we're falling in. I want to see. I want to. I want to. This checks helps me check out their attitude. It helps me check out what sense of uh, humility they might have. You know, just talk to me. What, what have you learned from your failures? I assume that you failed. I'm not so interested in what your failure was. I got plenty of those myself, but but I am very interested in what you learned from failure because that's where wis- wisdom is uh, learning from failure. Uh, that's what that, what's so beautiful is uh, when somebody imparts wisdom to you. It's more than the statement. It's it's the context, and the context almost is always written in difficulties and, and failure. So I want to know how they handle. I want to know how they handle failure. Another thing I want to know when I talk to somebody is I look at him and I ask him, who, who do you know that I should know? That's a phenomenal question. By the way, that question got me to John Wood. I, I literally was in Florida. And I was at a conference, and I was talking to a, a principal of a small Christian school. And we were just talking a little bit, and I asked him who he knew that I should know. He said, well, I know John Wooden. I said, well, I should know him. <laughs> That's right. And I said, would you help me get connected? He said, I'll not help you get connected the first time I'll go out with you. And he did, and, and he gave me a terrific introduction to the coach and, of course, the rest of his history. So... I love that question because it just allows me to find people that I would not normally find. And once you ask somebody who you should know that they that they know, almost inevitably they'll help you get to that person. In other words, they'll they'll move out the barricades of that person so that you can get to see them. So that's kind of a beautiful thing. I want to flip this for a second, John, because I know how much of an influence your father was in your life. What a powerful, positive influence he was and still is. And and, and I, I want to ask you, our inner voice sometimes can do some negative things to us. It's very, very powerful inside our heads. Is there a question that pops up in your mind as one that we should say, when you hear that question, you need to delete and move on? You know, the most important person you listen to all day long is yourself. And we listen to ourselves more than anything else because we do self-talk on a continual basis. And it's highly possible to say things, to ask ourselves questions that are defeating. I was I was just mentoring a person recently. And because I've been with them on a few occasions, when I would say something to them that would be maybe uh, flattering or uh, be something positive about them, they would look at They'd have a one weird question. They'd say, really? Really? I mean, really? I'd say, you know, I think you really do a good job and say, really? And so just recently when I was with him, I said, you need to stop saying or asking really because it's basically, are you sure about that? I I don't see that myself. I'm not sure I can buy that or believe that. You've got to stop saying really and you need to start saying thanks. 
That's good. <laughs> and I said, you're going to immediately go from, I'm not really sure that that's uh, a truth in my life, to I am so true sure it's a truth in my life that I'm grateful for. And I said, it'll totally change your whole mind frame. So that's, those are the kind of things that I think we all have to kind of be conscious of and, and work to improve. All right, final question for you. Before we let you go, we're really excited about you coming to be with us at the Entree Leadership Summit out in San Diego. I'm looking forward to hugging your neck and hanging out with you a bit. Um, But I love to ask folks like you who are constantly helping others grow, what are you growing on or what are you excited about working on something new that uh, has got the the passion burning? I'm writing a book now that didn't come out until October called Intentional Living. And I have come over the last three years to the conclusion that uh, the one thing that a person needs to do, regardless of background, giftedness, etc., for them to achieve a level of significance in their life is to be intentional. Uh, Significance is not a result of of somebody accidentally coming to that level. Uh, You have to want it. You have to be intentional in looking for making it happen. And I think intentional living is the is the bridge between people that are even successful and people that want to be significant. So I've just finished writing a book on intentional living, you know, and basically it's a subtitle, you know, living a life that matters. But uh, I'm very passionate about it because what excites me about this is I think many people think significance is something you achieve when you get old or you have so much money or you meet the right people. And I don't think that significance has anything to do with those things. I think significance is all about being intentional. And the moment that you try to add value to people and you're intentional, I don't care whether you're 12 or 92, it doesn't matter. You can begin to be a significant person. And I think it's going to be a... I I believe this book is just going to be a a game changer for a lot of people. I I believe they're going to all of a sudden say, I can do this. You know, if I go out and play golf, Ken, and and my golf instructor looks at me and says, you know, we just have to change everything about your game. You know, you're just pitiful. And he probably would, by the way. Uh, that's very discouraging. But if you looked at me and said, you know, John, if I could just change one thing, I could get you to be a single-digit handicapper. That would excite me so much because I, I could do one thing. Well, I think when people begin to understand that the one thing between them and, and, and significant stays is intentional living, I think it's a game-changer. So that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm excited about. As you could tell, I've been going way beyond my time, but... But I, I just truly believe that I believe I can teach people how to be intentional. So that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I'm trying to write about. And hopefully it'll help a lot of people. Well, I'm sure it will. And I love it. And John, I uh, can't close out without telling you again how much you mean to Stacy and I and the opportunities that you've afforded us both with your generosity and your belief in us as youngsters. And uh, it's always fun to spend time with you. I know our audience is equally appreciative of your time and wisdom. And again, looking forward to being with you in San Diego in a few months. Thank you, Ken. The reason I do what I do is because of people like you and Stacy who take my stuff, apply it, help others with it and become better because of it. So, hey, that's what we're going to do when we're out there with Dave and I'm looking forward to the conference. You all come out now because I promise you we will add value to your life. Absolutely. All right, John. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. Thank you, friend. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Just sitting and talking with the man. Could have gone forever, but Eric, the producer, was giving me the we got to let the man go sign. And uh, boy, that was really a lot of fun. By the way, I want to mention, he is a wonderful follow on Twitter, and uh, his Twitter handle is at John C. 
Maxwell, at John C. Maxwell. You'll really enjoy what he's got to say to you on Twitter. Now, a couple things. Remember, John is going to be with us at the La Costa Resort in May for the Entree Leadership Summit. You can learn more about this great event. We've told you a ton about it. Just go to entreeleadership.com slash summit, entreeleadership.com slash summit. He'll be joining Dr. Henry Cloud, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, Pat Lencioni, Dave Ramsey, and our very own Chris Hogan and Christy Wright. It's going to be a great time. Love to see you out there. Also, special bonus uh, from the old Ken Coleman archives here. This is kind of fun because years ago, obviously, I get to host a lot of events for John. And just a couple of years ago, I hosted a, a large national simulcast, and we shot several videos because it was all about how to grow, how to continue personal growth. And so we've got a special treat, and this particular video, which is at the podcast page on EntreeLeadership.com, that's very simple, EntreeLeadership.com slash podcast, short YouTube video of John and I in a hotel room as he's traveling, and he unveils his personal growth system that he takes with him everywhere. So many of you men and women travel all the time, and it's very hard to get in a routine. This is going to set you free. It's so enjoyable. John unveils his personal growth system that he takes with him everywhere. Check it out at entreleadership.com slash podcast. All right, it's time for the book giveaway. You know how we do it. 50 free copies of Good Leaders Ask Great Questions from John Maxwell and his publisher. We're grateful for that. Here's how you qualify. We just want you to tweet something about the Entree Leadership Podcast. At Entree Leadership is the Twitter handle, and here's how you qualify. Some type of statement, and you must put in the hashtag conversation that matters. Hashtag conversation that matters. And Eric, the producer, will be scouring the hundreds and hundreds, by the way, that are taking place every time we give these books away. It's quite exciting. And uh, we will pick 50 winners. Eric will take care of you. He'll contact you, and you will win the book. So there it is. Something about Entree Leadership uh, with the handle at Entree Leadership and the hashtag conversation that matters. Well, folks, it's always a joy to talk with the men and women who are making this great American economy go. We appreciate you. So as I always say, but I truly mean, on behalf of producer Eric and the entire Entree Leadership team, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again very soon. 